Welcome to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubinstein. Conversations between Gavin and the people he believes have trailblazed by thinking outside the box in their field, industry, or even just in his office. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm getting good at that intro. <laughs> it's, it's getting smoother. It's become a thing. Oliver Williams, the very first associate agent to ever be featured on the podcast. You've done some amazing things to get here. We're going to talk all about that. Your story for me is what I think really has the potential to inspire young, old, medium, all sorts of agents, or maybe even people looking to get into the business. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Tell me a bit about yourself, man. You're 23? 24. 24. You're from Bathurst. You're not from Sydney. Correct. Run me through your kind of upbringing and how you landed upon this journey called real estate. Yeah. So basically, country boy originally had a very, very nice upbringing in the country, very different to anything like the East. Came to Sydney probably maybe 20 times growing up. Right. But always knew school, you know, wasn't really my strength, but wanted to be successful, wanted to make a lot of money. And so I ended up Went through a few things after I left school, did a trade, those kind of things for a bit. Ended up going to uni to study did, finance. Sorry, did a trade? Did a part of a trade in um, like commercial building um, okay. for a while. So you're tradie for a bit? Yeah, I was. Cool. I was. That was a great experience because it really kind of toughened me up uh, as far as going from being a kid in school to kind of in a man's world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was a great experience. And then I ended up deciding I wanted to go to uni. Went to uni, started studying finance, actually got pretty close to finishing, got over halfway through. I didn't love it. I just kind of knew I wanted to make money. And I ended up seeing your real estate diaries. And then I was kind of just like, looked at it. I was like, geez, that's exactly kind of what I want to be doing. <laughs> and it actually looks fun. And I could actually make a lot of money doing it. So I actually, the next week, dropped out of uni. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got we to gotta talk about that. So go through school yep. at university, studying finance, but then you see one of the real estate diary videos yep. from TRG. Yep. Was that TRG at the uh, time? I think it was from you, your right, personal right, account. Right, my personal account. Yeah. And that lights a fire in your mind yeah. to say, I want to sell real estate. It was more just like the process of what you were doing. So like going around, talking to people, putting deals together, having all, the thi all these things on the go. It was more just the process. And I've always liked property. Like I've always, like my family have kind of been in property and, and that kind of thing growing up. So it was always kind of of interest, but more just like going out, dealing with people, doing that kind of thing that was very interesting. You like to the me. hustle because yeah. you're a hustle. You like yeah. to see the hustle, yeah. right? Yeah, I do. And I knew it was like a highlight reel, yeah. but and it would be a lot of extra hard work that you didn't see. Yeah. Um, but Key. It, yeah. I was kind of ready for that. Right. But I was just kind of like, this actually looks like I would really enjoy it as well as, you know, working hard and earning money. So you've gone, seen a piece of content, just mm -hmm. so happened to be my piece of content. Yeah. You dropped out of uni. How long after seeing that? About a week. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, it was. It was about a week. So you're flicking through Instagram, see yeah. that content and then go, Yeah, this isn't for me. I want to be in real estate. Mm -hmm. And then you left Bathurst? I was actually studying uh, Newcastle at the time. Right. And yeah, pretty much told my parents. Uh, what like did a, they say? They were, they've always been incredibly supportive. How cool. They were kind of like, oh, okay. And then <laughs> they were like, okay, well, you know, support you 100%. And then I went basically from being a uni student, just kind of like, not really working too hard or anything like that, just kind of getting through to then 
basically uh, getting my own place, everything, getting fully set up in Sydney. Took the first job I could get in Double Bay. Just Doing in what? Le- in leasing. In leasing. Um, so what was your plan? Like you've seen this piece of content, you've gone, this is what I want to do. I'm going to enjoy it more than what I'm doing right now. What was your plan at that time? And at this time you're 22, yeah? Yeah, yeah, right? I was. Right, so um, what was the plan? Basically, I was like, I know nothing about Sydney. I, knew not- I didn't even know where Double Bay was <laughs> at the time. I knew nothing and I knew I knew nothing. And I knew I had no real value to offer anyone who was in a, you know, a successful position. No contacts, no family, no no real estate experience. Nothing. Nothing. So, and I knew that that was the position I was coming from. So I kind of decided, well, look, I need to at least learn about the area, learn something about the kind of the industry and everything. Um, So, you know, I I took the first job I could get um, basically then. Which was another firm doing leasing. yep, Yep. 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 And that was great experience as well. So how'd you get that job? Yeah. So basically I just kind of reached out to a recruiter and then it was actually happened a lot quicker than I thought. And then did a few interviews, got one on the day. And then she was like, how quickly can you move down here? So give me a few days. And then I basically then went and found somewhere to live, um, <laughs> moved into this tiny little share house in Paddington Crazy. Um, with like five other people wow. uh, in this tiny little room. It was like barely fit my bed. And that was my first place by myself, like not by myself, but my first own place. So the first time kind of- yeah, being self-sustaining, self-sufficient. Right. Yeah, kind moving of. in with five people. Yeah, all yeah. all based off of a highlight reel you saw me put out. Yeah, I know. That's unbelievable. <laughs> so, so you get a job. That's <laughs> pretty crazy, right? It gets crazier. Let me tell you, because <laughs> the reason that you're here is because at TRG we run these associate competitions, where the associate whose leads generate the most amount of. GCI, which is gross commission income, gets a reward. They get a, a certain amount of a bonus money. And this particular reward was going to be featured on this podcast, which you won. Yep. So out of, I think, three competitions since we've been running it, or four maybe, you've won two of the four. Yep. Right? With this background in mind. So you get a leasing position. And then what happens from there? And then basically I was like, okay, how do I get the job working for, for Gavin? And like I knew, like you talked about in podcasts, how many resumes you get, all these guys like chasing you, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all these people want something from him. They're all asking for something. I don't really have anything to give, but what if I could give him something on the front foot before actually asking for something? Give value, get noticed. Yeah. Which by the way, is the complete focus of being a prospecting real estate agent, particularly at the start of their career. That's all I focused on. You think about how many people are calling these property owners And when I say people, I mean agents asking them for something. Can I sell your house? Can I sell your house? My approach was always, how can I add value to these people so that when it becomes time to sell, they're going to think of me. And it it was kind of exactly what you did with me. Yeah. yeah? What did you do? Uh, So basically I was like, didn't know much about him. I was like, he's kind of, he seems like a healthy guy and I had no money. So I couldn't like drop off like expensive things or anything like that. So I was like, why didn't you drop me a car, Ali? I would have like, or a Rolex or something, man. So I was like, you know, why don't I? Like, and I was kind of talking about the idea and, and I was like, why don't I, you know, drop him off something he might like, something healthy. And I came up with the idea of maybe like a fruit basket or something right. like that. Right. So This then, happened, man, fully, yeah. I swear. <laughs> I received this massive basket of fruit probably three, four times six, even. Six, yes. once a month for six months. <laughs> It was crazy. And everyone in the office was laughing because, yeah. you know, with it, this massive basket of fruit would be there and, and and the guys would go, there's another fruit basket for you. Is it the same guy? And I kept saying, yeah, it's the same guy. And, and on the letters and the notes you wrote to me, they were just like, 
love the opportunity just to meet. Yeah. You yeah. you were his, you know, just want the opportunity to catch up, right? Yeah. And then eventually we caught up. Yeah. And I can tell this small part of the story because it's great. And this six foot five bloke <laughs> walks into the I almost broke my neck looking up at this guy. He was just so not what I expected. Yeah. Very well dressed, very well presented, very respectful country boy. And we sat down and we had a vibe. And I hired you, and I don't know if you know this, you probably do because I've told you. Because my view was the way you approached that. To me, if approached in the marketplace, would only mean good things for your career. And so few people do that because I think so few people are interested in giving value. They want to receive value. And your approach was what mine has always been, which is let's give some value. How did kind of your first impressions go? You came and you met me. So basically, like I'd seen you and I also was like kind of talking to Ollie Lavers as well. He gave me some really like some nuggets of, you know, kind of gold. He told me about how important it is to you to be up in the gym. So every morning I'd send you a selfie at the gym at like before 5 a.m. Yeah. Like every morning. And how um, did we leave it at the interview? Because at the time I actually- You you said you had no space. Which we didn't, right? You did. And yeah. to, to give you context, this is two years ago. We haven't had space here for two years. That's the yeah. struggle we've been on. But okay, right. I said I had no space. Yeah. But and I then, said I liked you. Yeah. You, you kind of like said, you know, we'll, we'll chat in the future kind of. And then, you know, I was kind of like, oh, he's probably testing me to see, you know, how hungry I am, how much I'm going to chase him. So then I just kept chasing, you know, like things like your birthday came up. So happy birthday, like all yeah. these kind of things. Yeah. Just like constant, constant kind of chasing, uh, but not not really asking for too much. Yeah. And then basically then we met like, a, you know, a few more times. Oh, and we kept we kept scheduling and then canceling like five or six times. Because yeah, I get busy, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. I got to prioritize. Yeah, And that course. was not, not me being rude, but yeah, at the time, yeah. of course. But then just kept pushing, kept persevering for probably like two or three months. And then the position came up and I took it straight away. It wasn't just the position, but the space came up. One mm. of the junior guys left mm. and- Two hours after he left, I called Ollie yeah. and said, there's a seat. Are you ready? And he said, I will be. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Let's go back to the reason why we're here, right? Top associate, you produce some really, really big numbers. So just to be clear, the main function of your role is to be a prospector and a lead generator. Mm. So we run the associate competition here based on which associate from their work can generate the most amount of GCI from their leads, mm. right? So for example, one property sells and let's say the, the commission on that property is $50,000. You generate the lead. We then sell it together. That equates to your contribution being $50,000, which you brought into the business, which potentially may not have been there if you didn't do the work. So that's how we work it out for people who aren't really across it. The first competition you won over a six-month period, you produced how much? Uh, it was about four sixty. $460,000 yep. with no real estate experience. Mm. And then the second one you won, which is the last six months, you produced- About four forty. How come you haven't cracked half a million yet? That's that's this six months. That's the next target. What's your secret, man? I think like I see a lot of salespeople. I see a lot of young people. I see a lot of people who come from your generation who aren't interested in giving people value. They're just interested in taking value. I see a lot of guys who aren't willing to put in the hours you put in. I see a lot of guys who aren't willing to do the work, not even your generation, just across the board. What makes you different? Why have you been able to come into an industry you know nothing about at 22, 23, 24 years old in an area you're not familiar with and dominate this way? What is it? I think it's a combination of things. One, being very fortunate to be, you know, here and mentored by a lot of good guys, obviously you and 
Ollie Lavers and, and guys like Pat Cosgrove as well taught me a huge amount. Sure. But I think it's a combination of, you know, obviously discipline and, and being able to work very, very hard, being able to kind of hold a, a really high frequency and be very, very positive, even when you're getting kind of rejected time yeah. and time again. You do that well. You do, yeah. I mean, when you talk about discipline, run me through what discipline looks like to you, because I always say, you know, quote, I, I love discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishing them. You are disciplined, but for the people who are listening, and if they're saying, I'm not disciplined, how do I get get more discipline. What does discipline look like to Ollie Williams? So I think for me, like true discipline is kind of one thing that I, I struggle with a lot, but it's probably the most useful is mental discipline as far as say you, you like you lose a listing or something like that, mm -hmm. not letting yourself get just like so bogged down in it mm -hmm. and like thinking about the loss and, yeah. you know, just spiraling downwards negatively. Because negative attracts negative, right? So much, right. so much. And, right. that, and that was like one of the things I did struggle with when I first started because obviously you know nothing and then you start kind of finally getting some traction after working so hard and then I got a, I had a few losses when I first started. Well, you didn't have an easy start. No. It no. was a really tough start. Very. And I put you under the pressure <laughs> and I put you, I said to you, unless yep. you perform in a certain period of time, you're out of here because yep. I'm looking for people who aren't just going to talk about mm. doing it, but are actually going to do it. Mm. And so you did struggle with yeah, that. Yeah. So it was like the first six months, like first three months, no idea what I was doing, <laughs> uh, like just absolutely floundering and I knew it. But then the next kind of three months, I finally kind of had a bit of an idea, but then took like four big losses in a row. Yeah. And you like the pressure you were putting me on under was pretty massive. <laughs> so it was just, and I just had to make the decision. I was like- Little guy, big pressure. That's yeah, what they say. Yeah. I, I, like I had to decide either he's going to fire me or I'm going to succeed because I'm not going to quit. Love. And that that was basically it. And then when I decided that, I just basically completely focused on what I wanted and just forgot about anything that was kind of negative or, or bad or anything like that. And then literally it was like the one day where you were like, you have to perform or you're like pretty much done. You're on the chopping block, boy. Yeah. And then that day I took you to an appraisal, which we then uh, like then listed and sold. And then I got the buyer and then we listed the buyer's house and then everything was rolling from that si next Momentum, six months on. confidence. Like yeah. That. And the confidence shifted and it was, it was huge. And then you kind of obviously learn more and more about what you're doing and all that kind of thing. And it starts to make sense. I think you make a really good point. We're in a really lucky position here to work alongside so many great agents. Mm. You, you throw out a couple of names, Ollie Lavers, you know, formidable Real estate agent, top of his game, Pat Cosgrove, dedication to his craft on mm. another level. How helpful and important have these guys oh. been with regard to, because you're not just getting the nuggets from me. Yeah. You're not just learning from me. Well, that's one of the best things about being your team. Obviously, you get you and your direct kind of mentoring and feedback, but then, you know, you're also kind of, you're very happy with us to then, you know, do work with the other guys as oh, well. I encourage it. Yeah, yeah, which is great. So then, you know, Pat taught me, you know, a huge amount about dialogue and and all that kind of thing. And Ollie very taught me a lot about, you know, just how to be on the phone and that kind of thing when I started. Because I was a bit of a robot when I first started. Yeah. I had no tonality, nothing. You were and I, I just knew you were soft too. Yeah, I was. I just this, knew this I had last no two idea. years has, has hardened you up. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think basically they recognized I was working very, very hard because I was here like seven days a week, just like beating my head against a wall, no results, nothing, but just working really hard. And they kind of recognized that and then wanted to kind of steer me in the right direction. Yeah. I find winners always want to help other winners mm. succeed. Mm. When you talk about working hard for someone who's in the industry, maybe not doing up to par, or someone who's thinking about getting in the industry, what are the hours? Like your hours and what were you doing then and what do you do now? Run me through that. Basically, when I started, it was like seven days a week here, especially when I first started, that was before the second lockdown. That was like most days were 12 hour days, especially through the week and then full day Saturday. And then I would come in Sunday and there'd be a few guys in here floating around as well and then do nearly a full day Sunday. Yeah. I mean, everyone always says they come here on a Sunday and Williams is in here on the phone. Yeah. yeah. It's not... Uh 
rocket science, is it? You know what I mean? It's like he's an number one associate, but then every Sunday we come into the office, he's sitting there on the phone doing the calls. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that that was a very big part of it for sure. And because I was like, look, I'm young. I'm not going to get burnt out. Like, you know, I've got all the time in the world. This is one asset that I have over pretty much everybody else is I've got a huge amount of time. I'm doing nothing else, you know, pretty much apart from training. And that would, that would be it. I'd go to the gym in the morning, come here all day and then go home and sleep. And it's like, like it is a very hard job, especially when you start. Obviously there's a lot more difficult things to be doing, but it can be a real, like it can be a real bitch of a job when you're starting at at the start. But what makes it a bitch of a job? It's just because it's so much hard work and there's nothing's guaranteed and you take so many losses. But like, obviously, if you get a win, like generally it's a very big reward. Sure. But you just have to stomach all of those when you first start and then- then it starts to click after that. Even when it starts to click, it does, you never stop taking the L's. Yeah. I take yeah. more L's than anyone I know. I've got to tell you. Yeah. I think what happens is you just become unbelievably good at taking the losses. Mm, yeah. And that comes with time. It comes with attitude. It comes with experience, perspective, frequency, all these all these things that you you talk about. So you work hard. You're with a couple of great mentors who, who help you. You're a disciplined dude. You're at the gym early every single day, 4.30 a.m. You send a, a photo of yourself to me every day. It's kind of like a, a roll call. It's an unspoken language where he just lets me know, hey, I'm up and I'm at the day. Yep. You're always responsive, always. Yeah. Um, there's no time where you won't pick up your phone because you know I'll kill you if you don't. <laughs> Why do this for? What's your reason? What's the driver for you? Young kid, you could be out partying. You could be out drinking regularly. I'm not saying you don't have any fun. You know what I mean? I, I know you like that fun when it's time to have fun. But you balance it. And you, you, you know, when you look generally at people your age, which was the same in my generation, right? When I just wanted to work and I knew have fun when it was time to have fun, but work when I wanted to work. What are you doing this for? Because there's got to be an element of sacrifice. Not that you're missing out on too much, but there's a hell of a lot less nights at the pub, mm. taking girls out, hanging with your friends, and there's a hell of a lot more time dedicated to what you describe as a bitch of a job. Why do you choose this? I mean, I love it. With the kind of sacrifice comes reward. And I think that for me, especially like kind of as a young guy, I kind of knew whatever I'd be doing, I'd be pouring all of my time into it, into building a career and whatever I'd be doing. So, I mean, it's just kind of like, there'd be something wrong with me if I wasn't doing all of that work and putting in for, you know, all that time, effort and energy into something. It just happens that I love real estate and this is what I want to be doing. Do you know where that comes from out of interest? That- I, th- I think it's just because I want to be very, very successful. And mm-hmm. it's it's just like, it seems like a natural equation to be that successful mm-hmm. and to be self-made. You have to put in a huge amount of time on the front end yep. to then expect that you know, kind of post 35, 40, you know, like it's, it just seems like there's no other way for it to expect it. So I, I just, that's basically what is required. 24 years old, ladies and gentlemen, it's pretty impressive stuff. You know what I notice about you that you do well? The application of whether it's tasks, behaviors, you don't wait for someone to show you or tell you how to do. You watch on how to do, and then you apply and there's never a follow-up. You just, I think you understand that success leaves clues. You take what you like, you leave what you don't, and then you apply it and you do the stuff. Was that something your parents taught you or something you've always- Yeah, definitely. I mean, they like they, they were really great, you know, taught me a huge amount growing up and they still do continually today. Like talk to my mom nearly every day, pretty, actually legitimately every day. And, you know, they have taught me a huge amount, but it's kind of like, especially in this office because no one, especially working for you, you don't have time to like drip feed you and, you know, give you a huge amount of like just time working on you. It's much better if you can look at what everybody else is doing and, you know, kind of pick the best bits and then apply that because it it always works very well, especially when you're looking at guys that are so successful and then you can apply, you know, their practice into what you're doing. At least I've found that works. 
What's your definition of success? I think like naturally I'd want to put a dollar figure on it, but <laughs> um, I think a lot of older, much more successful guys would say that's probably not actually accurate. But I would say for me, it would be obviously my next biggest goal is going out solo. Um, when as your own comes, agent. As my own yeah. agent. So that's kind of the next big goal. But I would say it's, you know, kind of being in a point where, you know, you're, you're kind of self-sustainable and, you know, business is rolling and, and, you know, you're kind of very happy. And, you know, for me, I, I couldn't be happy unless I was doing well in my career. But also doing well in my career does make me very happy as well. So yeah. so they're attached. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't the same when you were at school because you're saying you didn't love school and so therefore- Well, I mean, school, I was just kind of like just lost. Like for me, the, the, and one of the things I love the most about real estate is kind of like with school, you can just pass and just do average and then you still get the same result at the end. Whereas here, you're, the amount of money you generate is a, di- is a direct result of your value to the marketplace. So there's, Ooh, there's no cap. Boy, you spit nuggets I didn't even come up with. <laughs> That's um, and that's true, by the way. Yeah, and that's a hundred percent true. So essentially, what you're saying is your income will depend on your output, or in regard to value to the marketplace. Mm. So the clients you represent, yeah, exactly. the value you can add to them, mm. it'll be a direct correlation. Yeah, and, and so it's up to you yeah. where you get to. Yeah, and then also you can't, you know, kind of whinge and be like, oh, I'm not getting this amount of money because of this factor or that. It's just no, you just didn't generate the value. So can I ask you something? Can you school me for a second here? <laughs> Why do so many people whinge? Do you think? I think, and I mean, look, I whinge from time to time as well. We all whinge. But I think a lot of people are just kind of, I don't know, maybe a bit soft. I think it's very easy. And I think it's very easy to kind of get that negative head spiral. Mm -hmm. And then you get negative, you draw other people in, they get negative, everyone's whinging. And it's it's a very soft, easy kind of comfort place. Whereas to then oppose to that, you know, kind of just be headstrong and, you know, positive regardless of what else is going on, that's a lot harder to do. And I think it's just kind of not the natural place for a lot of for a lot of people to go, myself included. But I think if you can do that, and that's like one of the things that you told me very early on, like with you and, and like Ollie Lavis, for example, when you guys lose, it's like, doesn't matter, on to the next one. And it's just like, no, no reaction, nothing, like done, next. And well, one door closes, many other open. Yeah. And I think that was one of the biggest things for me, like trying to learn and, you know, adopt that mindset mm-hmm. was was huge. And when, and you know when you're not doing it because you go through dry patches sure. and it's just loss after loss after loss and you're like what is going on like what and you kind of just have to look in with like oh well obviously it's me and it's my fault because I'm not doing the right thing and I'm you know I'm causing these results to happen and it's the same on the flip when you're doing really well it's because you know obviously you've got the kind of right internal dialogue and that kind of thing love that what don't you like about the business I mean nobody likes the losses yeah um, and there are many I don't know like there's not really. There's not really much to complain about. There's like, not an aspect I mean, of the game that you can't say, I hate that. I, I don't enjoy that. Like I struggle with the patience yeah. of like, cause I just want to be, I want the success now. I want to be at the top now, you know, and you want to naturally want to skip to that, but obviously you can't. Well, Mark Boris said to me when I had a podcast with him that there's always this tension between ambition and patience. Yeah. And when you're as ambitious as you are, it's always going to be a struggle. Yeah. 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 I do struggle with that. For sure. What's the future look like? Paint me a picture. Well, I want to build my own team. Yeah. Start with my own EA. When does that happen? When does that start? Beginning it's, of next year. So beginning of next year, you're going to go out as your own agent. Yep. And start to build a team around you. Yep. Yep. Start yep. with my own EA and then um, get that, like get my own business really going. I know that'll be a big adjustment going from an employee to a business owner. Can't wait. Which, yeah, that'll be great. And I want to get that really humming and then start building my own team with, you know, a prospect and maybe 
the year after or end of next year when things are really good and then you know kind of look to to scale slowly but with a good progression after that but the, i just really want to be in a very consistent kind of consistently bringing in listings consistently selling them you know obviously building but not big boom bust kind of which a lot of guys kind of have and myself included but just like very consistent which is what all the best guys are, are the kind of the best at it's just consistent listings coming in selling them consistently like consistently yeah i think as a real estate agent if you can build your practice to a consistent level your unique Mm. Um, we've discussed it before. Most real estate agents are consistent with being mm. inconsistent. Yeah. So if you can be the, you know, yeah, the outlier, I think you know some fantastic things lay ahead of you. I want to finish off on some advice that you would give to. I mean, that could be anyone really mm. thinking of getting into the industry. You know, we talk about this concept that yeah, my inboxes are constantly full of people who want roles, who want jobs, people who I knock back, who I never hear from again, who I kind of want to hear from. How? would someone go about approaching a career in real estate? How would they go about approaching a position, a good position where they could flourish and build up almost a, a future foolproof like you have? I mean, I think I think you would have to be very, because a lot of people, especially with TRG, they see it and they're like, oh, it's going to be, you know, kind of glitz and glam. No. But put TRG aside, let's just talk general, right? Just general. general real estate, what would they do? I think you would have to get a clear idea of where you wanted to be, the mm -hmm. area you wanted to be in. Because mm -hmm. um, you knew, right? You knew, you saw the clip. Yep. You go, I want to work with Gav. Yep. And like, like I would study the streets. You, right. you gave me a task to learn all the streets in your six key suburbs. I would drive them, run them, wrote, learn them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I did would, I do that? <laughs> the first, the first meeting because I said, like, right. I don't know anything oh, about I the area. I tested you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, and then I literally went and wrote, learned all of the like streets in the six key suburbs, which is great knowledge now. Of course, but um, well, you didn't know it. But I didn't know it then. <laughs> um, so I, I think to get very clear. Find someone that is doing very well. They don't have to be super developed or anything like sure. that, especially if you want more kind of time. It's like someone who they, who they resonate yeah. with for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. And then I would say just kind of go after them. Um, just repeatedly try and give them value. Like I was sending you market reports of everything bought and sold that week. You were. And just like, I don't even know if you looked at them, but it was just like showing you that I was consistently looking at the market and what was transacting and everything. Yep. Um, and just try and show, because so many so many guys would be like, oh yeah, I want to work for you, blah, 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 blah. And then they'll just fall off and then like nothing will kind of happen. And then, you know, th there's, there's no kind of consistent effort and, and, you know, kind of being able to, you know, go through the even small rejections. But I would say find something you really want to work for, just keep following them up, keep going, keep trying to give them value if you can. And then when you get the opportunity, just kind of just weather the storm through the first kind of part until it gets good because um, it does get good eventually, but it takes a while. Storm um, always passes, right? It does, it yeah. does. And then and then it'll come again and then you just got to get through it again. And yeah, just just try and just commit to it fully. And because a lot of guys will, will kind of get there and then they might quit or like it might get a bit hard and they'll kind of give up or take their foot off the gas, but just kind of just go hard at it until, you know, you either fail which might happen or you know or you succeed i love that so what you're saying is find a top performer you resonate with map out a plan get a sense of what direction you're going to take it never give up go hard at it and you're set yeah ollie williams you are a metaphor for a guy who not only says he wants it but does what he needs in order to get it thank you for your time I thank you for your commitment the value you add to trg as a whole and we all look forward to watching this story unfold. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubenstein. Subscribe now for future episodes.